everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff, sitting across from me, still soaking wet because he is uh, in the state of Washington, is my co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, I I hear it has actually been raining in Seattle. Oh, and uh, nonstop, let me tell you. Uh, anybody that wants to move here, uh, don't do it. It's too wet. I'm in shorts and a t-shirt here in the Bay Area. <laughs> lucky freaking you. Okay, lucky you. Yeah. It is warmer now than it will be on opening day, I can tell you that. No. Yeah. But, uh, so, Mark, I usually give you an option here when we start the show in case you don't want to talk about baseball history. I don't have one this week, though. I, I instead thought that maybe uh, in honor of this uh, Wall Street Journal article that just came out a couple of days ago about Jeff Ludlow and what he called this ploy that he now has clearly been exposed as knowing when he was the general manager of the Houston Astros, I thought instead we would just become practitioners of dark arts and code breaking, which Whoa. are all the euphemisms he used for cheating. And ah. away with it. So, Jeff well, you know, though. you can't just say it. Hey, signal me what the pitch is going to be cheating friend, you know? <laughs> He's just such a liar and a tool. I mean, there are emails and Slack messages of him talking about this. And then he goes and tells the commissioner that he knew nothing about it. It was all player driven. So, uh-huh. right. So let's uh, let's jump right into it. We've got kind of a different show for you today. We are we're going to be the all quiz and trivia show today. We're going to we're going to challenge each other to see just how stupid some of the stuff that we know about baseball is and uh, have uh, give everybody a chance to play along so it's going to be a little bit different i'm I'm kind of excited about this because i like these quizzes they're fun to make yeah but that's because you get the stuff right and then i sit here going uh i don't know ken griffey jr well that's generally because i write the questions but today you have actual stuff to ask me so i'm very excited i do uh yeah real real tough stuff too so pal you better be ready Trust me, I can look like an idiot. It's easy. Uh, but you have the editing pen. Yes, it's true. <laughs> All right, so before we uh, before we get into that, though, let's jump into our usual first segment, our batting practice segment. I, it's not so much a kangaroo court today because I nobody brought this up to me. I instead uh, found this myself while I was uh, editing the show last week. So remember last week we talked about the April 17th, 1979 game between the Oakland A's and the Seattle Mariners, where there were only 250 fans in attendance. Yes. And I had said that, well, that's the lowest attended game in Major League history. Well, on a technicality, that's not really true. Uh You remember back in April, actually April 29th of 2015, in Baltimore, there was was some, some civil unrest that was going on in Baltimore. And uh, there was actually a game played between Baltimore and the White Sox that was closed to the public. And it was just just the two teams in a completely empty Camden Yards. No kidding. Technically, that would be the the least attended game in Major League history. And the toughest ticket, apparently. Yeah, that that was a tough ticket to get, wasn't it? I remember I watched that game specifically to... Just to see, especially being in production, and I don't remember what the answer is. Did they play game prompts? Did they like play, you know, charge and uh, player walk-ups and stuff? (laughs) I don't remember. But I do remember being able to hear coaches and people from the dugout talking, which is... That's interesting. Always good. So a little correction there. I'm not going to fine you uh, or myself, obviously, but I'm I'm, I'm not going to fine you for that one. Interesting number came up across... There are only two players in Major League history that have totaled the following in their in the, throughout their career. Those totals are 300 home runs, 100 triples, and 300 stolen bases. Obviously not exactly, but at right. least 300 home runs, 100 triples, 300 stolen bases. Now, one of those players is Willie Mays. Sure. Because Willie Mays is... Willie Mays is arguably the best player ever to put on spikes. I yeah, he is he is one of those players that I would pay to go back and watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is somebody, you know, I consider him one of the top, if not the top player in the history yeah. of baseball. No question. So you think, all right, if we're talking Willie Mays level players, who is this second of only two players that has those career marks? 
Hey, Jeff, uh, what would I'm just curious after you brought that up, what would the second player be aside from Willie Mays? Well, in the same category as Willie Mays would be Steve Finley, of course. Well, yeah. <laughs> Steve, you know, Steve Finley was actually around for quite a while. He played 19 he years. I didn't realize it was that long. For He was uh, one of my favorite players when he was with the Astros. I had him in Strat, too. Yeah, you know, he never really stuck around for a, a very long time on any team. He was with the Diamondbacks for six years and then the Padres and the Astros for four each and then a couple of other teams for, for one or two years. But, you know, his career numbers, he had 304 home runs, had 320 stolen bases, and uh, 124 triples. Led the league uh, twice. Not bad. Yeah, what is a career... Now, this is kind of weird. His career OPS plus is only 104. Really? So he's only 4% better in terms of career OPS than the average player. That's weird. But his war over his career was 44.3. Not bad at all. No, that's not bad. That that OPS plus, though, is really strange to be that low. Yeah, I don't understand why. Okay, well, hey, I don't do mathematics, man. I just uh, press buttons. All right. So uh, next thing I wanted to talk about, baseball hats. Spring training, pitchers and catches reporting this week. Super excited. MLB released last week the new spring training hats for every team this year. I am not impressed, but it'll save me save me 30 <laughs> bucks because I don't need to buy one. There you go. Also, they released another hat that has a, a, a caricature of a player for each team. The caricatures look pretty much like we talk about them all the time. Those wristbands with the, from the eighties with the right. players faces on them. Caricatures look a lot like that. They also kind of, it reminds me because the, they all look very similar. So remember the original starting lineup figures where like there's a, there's a Ricky Henderson one where he's in the outfield with his glove on the wrong hand. And the same year, the Bo Jackson figure looks exactly the same, just, you know, a different team. Yes. And it kind of reminds me. Of they both look like the Princess Leah action figure from 97, too. <laughs> Very strange. But all of these hats have just one player from each team, but they don't look anything like like the A's is Chris Davis. And it's just a kind of a generic. The Mariners is Kyle Seeger, because frankly, he's the, I guess, most recognizable player. on the team. I guess a tenure. It's tenure. But he looks just like a generic guy from the Midwest, just like nothing distinguishing. Not that there's anything really distinguishing about it. It's not that far off. (laughs) Getting back to hats, you know, there's that button on the top of the hat. Yeah. Do you have any idea what that button is called? I have no idea. (laughs) I didn't know it had a name, man. I went down a rabbit hole on this one. It is, I guess, technically called a Squatchy or a Squatcho. You're not making that up? Well, so here's where it is. I know you know who this person is because you and I have discussed this guy. He's a comedian from the 80s, was kind of his heyday. Mr. Rich Hall was his name. And he wrote, he's he's a comedian from the 80s, and he wrote uh, a couple of books where he came up with imaginary names for things that didn't have names but should. And in one of those books... He calls that button on top of the hat a squatcho. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're talking about Sniglets. Yes, that's the book. Sniglets. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I, couldn't re- I couldn't remember it, and I didn't write it down. So he came up with this, and uh, one day Mike Kruko, the pitcher, from the, uh, from the he was p- pitcher with the Giants in the 80s, standing in line uh, at a supermarket and is flipping through this book and comes across this name of squatcho. And so he started to talk about it with his teammates. So everyone on the Giants knew this. Mike Kruko is is still a member of the San Francisco Giants TV broadcast, along with Dwayne Kuyper. And and they both know what this is, a squatcho. <laughs> okay. It, it, is, it, it bounces between squatcho and squatchy, but they, uh, they, they reference it every now and then. But the reason I brought it up is because David Price just traded, well, as of the time of this, this we're recording this still hasn't officially been traded to the Dodgers, but he is famous for taking that button off of his hat. Really? So, and the reason this came up is because if he goes to the Dodgers, the Dodgers are, I think the only team in baseball. Well, no, I know the A's do that have a different, a different color squatcho 
than the rest of their hat. So the Dodgers oh, yeah. hat is that Dodger blue, and then they've got the white squatchy on the top. Right, right. Just like the A's have a gold one and a green hat. Some other teams must have that, but he takes it off because, and this used to certainly be the case in 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 Boston, where he's coming from, but in like Detroit at Old Tiger Stadium and stuff, where you had the dugouts where you could hit your head on the top of the dugout. And if you hit your head and you hit it on that squatchy, that really hurts. Oh, yeah. Shoot. I got smacked on top of that thing. Yeah, that hurts. That, yeah. That's why he originally started to remove it. He called it an ouchie. Well, D- David Price calls it the ouch button. There you go. So <laughs> so my long-winded way of, of getting to David Price and what he does to his hat is, is the squatcho or the squatchy. I know I will be riveted to see if he takes that off or not. It makes me want to try it out with some of my hats. Maybe I'll like the comfort of a non-squatcho. Well, it's easy to do, he said. You just you you put it in uh in a door, you know, just close the door so there's just enough to that you can fit that in there. And then you close it and then you just pull your hat and it'll pop right off, he says. Well, right on. I'll give it a try with my roommate's hat. <laughs> yeah, get you gotta get a Yankee or a Red Sox hat. Yeah, I don't I don't want to ruin one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next I wanted to jump uh I wanted to jump the other side of the world. To, it, okay. to to Italy, where there is a distinct possibility that one Mr. Manny Ramirez might still be playing professional baseball next season. That is outstanding. Yeah, so he is rumored to uh, possibly be joining the Parma Baseball Club in the Italian Baseball League. That's classic. He's going to be the first uh, guy in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> now, they're, they're not exactly sure if he is, one, if he's going to, play but also uh if he is going to actually be there at all or if he might just be a coach they're not exactly sure about what he's going to do there if it even happens right so this is just something that came out this week uh this italian baseball league their schedule is only like 32 games they only play on the weekends i see so it's it's not it's not like he would really be uh you know, too pressed. But I also, what, what's he going to do? I mean, Parma is is as a nice. I mean, it's Italy. Parma's yeah. by the by the uh, by the coast. I'm sure he can entertain himself. But I, you I mean, I kind of see this as one of those things where he might be there for a, a couple of weeks and then get bored and go elsewhere. But yeah, but, well, but it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of cool. Maybe if he's successful, we'll get to see uh, Julio Franco play again. Well, I think, uh, well, he'd have to get out of his contract uh, in Venezuela or wherever he's sure he's playing. I'm sure he is. All right. So uh, let's uh, get to our, our one of our final parts of BP here. We like to, except for a little lapse in my memory, we've been highlighting one of the 42 minor league teams that MLB has unfortunately tagged as possibly being unaffiliated with Major League Baseball in the next year. And uh, so today I wanted to talk about the Erie Seawolves. They're obviously located in Erie, Pennsylvania. Good spot. That's a good spot for the Erie Seawolves. It is. And I'll tell you why here in a minute. Uh, Currently, they are the AA affiliate of the Tigers. The club was first formed in 1989. So it doesn't quite have the, you know, we did some that were in the 1800s, but this one a little bit younger, 1989 in Welland, Pennsylvania as the Pirates. They were then relocated to Erie in 1995, and that forced out another club that was in Erie at that time, who were the Erie Sailors, who then moved to Florence, Kentucky, and which is which is funny because this team from Florence just last name rebranded themselves as the Yalls, which made some waves in the uh, in the minor league world on Twitter for sure. The Yalls. Y'alls. Why apostrophe A L L S? You know. Y'alls. Okay. When I was when I lived in the South, I was a big fan of y'all. I used that all the time. Uh, I used to have a job where I was traveling in the South every other week. I still use y'all. Yeah, it's a I, it's a legit term. I love it's that. It's catchy. But, yeah. So they're the y'alls, which is a which is a fun nickname. What's up, y'alls? Yeah. <laughs> it's the Y'alls 3 and this the Pirates a, 2. This is a shout out to y'all. So the franchise was originally uh, a Pirates affiliate, thusly why they were first called the Pirates. Uh, and then when they moved to Erie, they became the Seawolves, which is actually something that it was kind of like a nickname 
uh, for sailors who engaged in piracy. They were called sea wolves. So that mm -hmm. actually is a perfect segue to from pirates to sea wolves. Uh, they've been affiliated with the pirates and the angels as well. They've been a Tigers affiliate, though, since 2001. They have a couple of really cool promotions. One, they've got Buck Night, which is really popular. They hold it a couple of times throughout the season. Fans uh, can pay for reserve seats for $1 each. And then there are several menu items that are $1 each, like hot dogs, popcorn, soft drinks. And I found this uh, kind of funny that it's specified American-made beer for $1. So, oh, oh yes no heineken for you for a buck <laughs> none but, of that expensive imported stuff all the bud and bud light though and cores that you can drink for one dollar uh, also nice. they had a great promotion on march 10th 2017 the wolves held an alternative facts night <laughs> okay so during this night uh, they were playing the akron rubber ducks which is one of my favorite minor league nicknames, but they were referred to that night as the Akron Yellow Bath Toys. <laughs> when uh, when this uh, promotion was announced on Twitter, they said uh, they announced it by saying, "We will build a right field wall, and Akron will pay for it. I promise." So, <laughs> some good good comedy there. Last year, the team's hitting coach was Oakland A's catching legend Adam Melhus. Nice. I think he was on the Rockies for quite a bit, too, but I know he was a fan favorite here in Oakland. A couple of notable alumni that have played for the Erie Seawolves, Curtis Granderson, who didn't he just retire last week? I he believe just he did. did. Yeah. Yeah. The Grandy Man. Uh, also uh, noted mouth breather, John Lackey, uh, noted proponent of fair play, but now looks kind of like an idiot. Justin Verlander. Uh, <laughs> Oakland, uh, Oakland native Dontrell Willis, and uh, the most famous Major League Baseball player to ever miss a game because they played too much Guitar Hero, Joel Zumaya. Very nice. So if you notice, all of those, except for John Lackey, actually came up through the Tiger system, which makes sense. But So gotcha. there you go, the, the eerie Seawolves. Nice. All right, you want to get to our... To our uh, Trivia question that I asked you last week. I'm sure it's been, you've probably been losing a lot of sleep, so you probably want to know the answer. Yeah, I, I didn't want to look it up on the Google machine, so I just pondered and uh, tossed and turned, and I, I arrived at nothing. All right, well, I'm going to make you wait one more minute because I've got one thing to add. So, so last week, the, the answer to last week's question was, Johnny Cooney, who was 38 years old before he hit his first career home run, if you remember. And then he hit another one the next day for some reason. Uh, do you know who the oldest player to ever hit a home run in the major leagues was? Julio Franco? There you go. Was it? Right <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> Julio Franco off Randy Johnson in 2007. Franco at that point was aged 48. Wow. Wow, what a, what a machine. Well, yep, I... I I think I've told you that uh, I learned uh, during my time uh, working for the Atlanta Braves that even at his advanced age, uh, he had to get a new batting helmet every year because his head was getting bigger. And uh, <laughs> that is a, a direct symptom of uh, PEDs. So <laughs> I'm not saying he took them, but I do have some inside info there. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Makes you say, hmm. Okay. That's so all I got. So uh, the question I did ask you last week was, who was the first Hall of Famer to have Tommy John surgery? Right. I didn't give you any clues. And Tommy John's not in the Hall. Tommy John is not in the Hall of Fame. I, I'll give you one clue right now. And I would this clue wouldn't have helped me. He is the only player to ever have five hits in a World Series game. Yeah, that, that went right over my head. <laughs> so the answer is Paul Molitor, the igniter. Gotta love Paul Molitor. I, I do like Paul Molitor. I've got to assume that he, when he had those five hits, it must have been when he was with the Blue Jays. Because I don't think he was in the World Series with anybody else. It would have had to have been, I think, Milwaukee 83 or something. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I guess he could have. I would have been I good know. if I would have done a little research. <laughs> All right, so I got another question for All right. you that I'm not going to give you the answer until next week. I've got no clues for you. I want you to name me the Hall of Famer with the lowest career batting average. That is a non-pitcher. Um, Luis Aparicio. You are 
I'm, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, you're not correct. Okay. <laughs> you're not going to get this unless you look oh, it up. So, okay. Uh, just tell me, man. Well, just I will ne- next week. I will. <laughs> oh, I got to wait a week. Yeah, Whatever will I do? All right. So let's, uh, let's let the grounds crew get at it and, uh, let's jump right into our, I guess we call it the quiz show. So da, I think, da, da, I think, uh, I'm going to go first. I've got a, I've, I've got a ton of questions that I've come up with, but I'm going to narrow it just down to five. We'll see how you do. Then you've right. got something for me and then we're going to play the, uh, we're going to, we're going to spin the wheel with some other stuff. Uh, and then we'll get into wax packs heroes. So I've got five questions for you. I think you did pretty good last time we, we did this. I'm going to have you just give me an answer. I'm not going to tell you if you're right or wrong. Okay. Um, and then uh, once you're done, we'll go through them again and, and I will give you the answers or tell you that you're right. Okay. So question number one, name the tallest player in major league baseball history. Hmm. Um, well, I'm going to go with, I mean, the obvious one would be the one that's from my era would be Randy Johnson. I'll just go with Randy Johnson. I can't think of anyone else. All right. Second question. Name the only player to be traded in the midst of a 50 plus home run season. Whoa. Traded in the midst of a 50 plus. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that narrows it down just because there's not many 50 plus. Yeah. um, Home run season. I will tell you this. It was in the nineties. So that will, that'll tell you the era. Uh, the PED era for sure. Um. Well, let me go with. Why would you trade someone who's hitting fifty home runs? Well, I guess if you're in the cellar. So that kind of let's just throw that into the mix. I don't know, Greg Vaughn. Question number three: Who hit the most home runs in the decade of the '80s? I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you three names here to help you out. Okay. Got Dale Murphy, okay. Mike Schmidt, or Eddie Murray. Well, let's see here. Um, well, Schmidt, I know, retired towards the end of the 80s. Um, um, you know what? I'm going to go with Mike Schmidt, even though I know, I'm know i not sure he played. I think he played the entire 80s, actually. So Mike Schmidt, over my better judgment to say Dale Murphy. How's that? All right. So we talked about uh, last week we brought up this guy, Vincent. I, I just, by default now, I call him Vincent Van Gogh. Vince Coleman. He stole 50 consecutive bases without being caught between the 1988-89 season. Who holds the American League record for consecutive stolen bases? Oh, the American League. Yeah. Um, That's a heck of a question. Sure, you're going to ask me something like that. You know what? I I remember working at the Mariners, and I remember Ichiro working on something like that. Um, But I can't remember how many it was, so I'm going to say Ichiro. And the final question I have for you today, Tony Gwynn played in the major leagues for 20 years. Out of those 20 seasons, how many times did he bat under 300? Ooh, man, I don't know if he ever did. I'm trying to think if he had any injured years or anything like that. So I'm going to go with zero. I don't, I, I, I don't know if he ever hit under 300. All right. Let's uh, go through here and see what you scored here. First question, name the tallest player in Major League Baseball history. You came up with the big unit, Randy Johnson. The big unit fell one inch short. Oh, so close. And it was to a contemporary, John Rausch. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that guy. Six foot 11. He played for several teams, the White Sox, the, the Nationals. Uh, he might have even been on the Expos for a little while, but he played for several teams. But yeah, he was six foot eleven, the tallest player in Major League history. Okay. Second question: Name the only player to be traded in the midst of a fifty-plus home run season. I gave you the hint of it happened during the nineteen nineties. Well, if you will remember, uh, as as one team likes to do, likes to trade away their big superstars. Yeah. Uh, very very close to my heart. If you remember. Uh, Big Mac, Mark McGuire was traded from Oakland to St. Louis in 1997. Oh, okay. He had 34 home runs when the deal went down, and he hit 24 more once he was in the National League. Nice. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Next question was a multiple choice. Who hit the most home runs in the decade of the 1980s? I gave you Dale Murphy, Mike Schmidt, and Eddie Murray. Those were the three most 
you know, those three players hit the three most in that decade. Uh, coming in at number one was Mr. Michael Jackson Schmidt. Hi, hey, I got one. 548 home runs. Next, Eddie Murray hit 504. And then Dale Murphy with 398. Okay. Well, I got the multiple choice one. How about that? You did. Uh, So next one, uh, Vince Coleman has the major league record of 50 consecutive stolen bases. Who holds the American League record? You're on a hot streak here because it was indeed Ichiro Suzuki. See, I knew I remembered something about that. Yep. He stole 45 straight in 2007. Nice. All right. And the final question, Tony Gwynn played for 20 years in the big leagues. Out of those 20 seasons, how many times did he bat under 300? You guessed zero. The answer was one. <laughs> that was, was going to say rookie one. year. Oh. 1982, he, he only hit a paltry 289. Wow, what a loser. How did they even keep him up after that? But yeah, he got lucky making the team the next year, I'm sure. <laughs> he finished with a career average of 338. Crazy. Tony Gwen. I remember uh, it was 97. Um, he hit 370-something, 372. And it was just, like, insane. I, I had never – I mean, 370, that's, ins- that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was uh, he was just uh, the epitome of a professional hitter. He was and a good guy. Yeah. All right. So there is my quiz for you. Now, okay. you got something uh, something worked up for me. Yeah, I got actually I was going to ask you just based on what we've already talked about. I was going to see uh, if you knew. Now, you talked about somebody going uh, however long without hitting a home run. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know? This is, I'm talking about pre-Ruthian era. There was a guy named William Holbert. This is good trivia. Who didn't hit a home run in 13 seasons or 2,335 at-bats. There's your, there's your record holder. And just, just to show you the difference, in 2,335 at-bats of his career, the first 2,335 Albert Pujols had already hit 150 home runs. So a little bit ahead of William Holbert. Just couldn't manage to hit that that elusive home run. You know, you think you get one career if you're going to play 13 years. You know who that reminds me of is Raphael Belliard, mainly uh-huh, of the uh-huh. Atlanta Braves, also played right. for the Pirates. So he played 17 years in the major, and he hit two home runs. <laughs> wow. <laughs> one in his uh, fourth season, and then one in his 16th. Wow. I remember, I remember that guy. Because I, I remember... Before he hit that one, his last one in 1997, I remember it just being a joke, you know, that this guy just just did not hit home runs. And yeah, he did. I mean, he was a he was a defensive stud. I mean, he was he was really yeah. good with the glove. Oh, he was. Didn't hit. You know, he barely hit his weight. In fact, what well, uh, he was a small guy, so he's only listed at 160. He, his career average was 221. So he always uh, he always at least hit his weight, but yeah, that guy just did not hit home runs. Yeah, they're just you know some people are just like me, just no power whatsoever. All right, pal, I'm going to ask you some nicknames. All right, I like nicknames, and uh, and I'm going to you want I want you to tell me the player. Okay. So uh, these are these are all gettable. Okay, I made sure that you should know. I didn't throw in any uh, you know uh, Tiki the the monster mayo. You know, Sepulva. So these are all guys. A Star Wars reference at the end there. Sepulva. No, it's Nubian, huh? Yeah. No, Sepulva. Very different. Okay. So who did we know as Oil Can? Dennis Boyd. Dennis Boyd. Do you remember what? why they called him Oil Can? Beer. That's slang for beer in the South. Right. He always had a beer. So, okay. You got one. I think you got a shot at going five for five here. Who was the Flying Dutchman? Is it? The, are you asking the Flying or the Frying? No, not the Frying Dutchman. The okay. Flying. The Flying Dutch, Dutchman was Paul Wayner, I believe. You're so close. You, you, you're close on the name. It is, wasn't Wayner. If it, if it wasn't Paul Wayner, I don't know who it was. The Flying Dutchman was Honus Wagner. Oh, what? Why did close. I think Paul Wayner? Because eh, it sounds like Wagner. That is that. No, that's a little embarrassing. <laughs> the Flying Dutchman, Honus Wagner, who, by the way, was German. So whatever. And then the Frying Dutchman. 
is Burt Blylevin. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> I always think of, when I think of Burt Blylevin, I think of Burt Be Home Blylevin. Right, exactly. But that's not, that was just his Berman nickname. But right. his actual nickname was the Frying Dutchman because he was famous for giving a teammates hot foot. A hot foot, you know, where you light their shoelaces <laughs> on fire. That's funny. Ah, uh, yes. Well, see, right. we always get bonus questions, you know, when we're when we're discussing this stuff. So I failed that one miserably. If I miss a Honus yeah. Wagner, I'm I'm embarrassed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, so. happens to the best of us and the worst. Well, then uh, I I have to ask, what do, Paul Wayner? What was his? What was his nickname? Big, Big poison. poison. <laughs> Nice. I knew he had a I knew he had a cool nickname. And That's that a is a nickname. that is a badass nickname. Big poison. Big poison. It's like big six. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'm I'm I need to redeem myself. All okay. Right. Now this is this is probably the tougher one. What about Three Finger? Who was named Three Mordecai Finger? Brown. Yeah, there you go. You got that one. You know why he was called Three Finger? Well, he only had three fingers on his pitching hand. How did you figure that out? Good job, man. <laughs> now, I threw him on there because I realized that there are no more Mordecais around anymore. You ever met a Mordecai? Uh, what was uh, the Braves had Mark Mordecai. Okay, last name, which <laughs> I, I think that works. <laughs> well, I think but, the Amish uh, Professional Baseball League probably has a couple of Mordecais. Oh, the uh, APBL. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they've got a couple of Mordecais, probably. I, I have to catch one of their games. It's the problem is you can't find them on TV. They're not on TV <laughs> or radio. It's weird. It's just yeah, I, have them. you got to show up in person and, and get some kettle corn or whatever they sell there. And it's always in Pennsylvania, so unless you're yeah. around that area, yeah. It, not a tough ticket to get, though. All right. <laughs> they build those stadiums, though, quick, though. <laughs> they, they do. They raise those stadiums is what they do. God, if, if you don't come to this podcast for Amish humor, I don't know what you're here for. Yeah. No, we are the best. Best baseball podcast that Amish humor there is. All right. You know this one, but I wanted to talk a little bit about this nickname, the human rain delay. That would be Mike Hargrove. Mike Hargrove. And they called him this because... He took forever in the batter's box. He would not get ready in the batter's box unless it took him for like... 30 seconds. It was the human rain delay because he would adjust this and pull that and then turn this around and then step there. But you know what? Just keep going. I've seen video of it. It is no worse than Robinson Cano. Well, I, that was going to be my next point is that I, there's the modern human rain delay as Robbie Cano. <laughs> yes. And you and I having sat through so many of his at-bats. Oh, man. When, when, when you're working a game and you, you know, it's a blowout because it's the Mariners. And you just, you're like, all right, I'm ready for this game. This game's three hours old. I'm ready to go home. And Robinson Cano comes to the plate. You're just, oh my gosh. Yeah, he's, he's not the guy you want up when you're in a hurry. But I mean, you know, David Ortiz was that way. There mm-hmm. are a lot of, I mean, no, even Nomar Garcia Parra with all the glove fidgeting. And it's just, yeah, it's some, yeah. there are some, I, I am ready to revisit that clock for, for batters in the big league. Yeah, I, I, I would, uh, I'd be willing to test that out too. Just drives me completely nuts. Yeah. Every pitch, they got to step out and adjust and do, oh man. Anyway, so this last guy, all right, this is question number five and you are three for four so far. All right. This guy uh, was called the Mad Hungarian. Al Herboski. Very good. Very good. And I mentioned him because I feel like there's a lack of characters in baseball these days. And Herboski was a character. Yeah, I'm just wondering, you know, how with the unwritten rules that is are just so out of control. Like, how would he be? How would a pitcher with that much personality be met with? You know, what would what kind of reaction would players have? I think fans would love it. Oh, absolutely! I think fans would go nuts for it. But yeah, you're right. Would it be taken as showing up somebody? I, you know, I don't think so. I, I. I think it's just a, he's doing something for himself out there, getting himself fired up. I don't think anybody would mind that much. But then again, I've been wrong, as we heard earlier on the show. It, what was funny about Hrabrowski is that they would do these um, old-timer games. And he's back then, he had this huge head of hair 
Mm-hmm. And a mustache. Yeah. And a mustache. And he would come out to the mound and he'd, you know, get himself fired up and throw the ball into his mitt really hard. He would do this in the old timer games, but he had to wear a wig because he didn't have that kind of hair anymore. <laughs> but he knew people wanted to see it. That is great. So he'd get out there and he'd do his little thing. And then you see him in the dugout and he's taking his wig off. And it's like, oh, hey. <laughs> but, but he knew people wanted to see that. So I think that's cool. Give them what they want, you know? Okay, so there's my those are my nickname questions. You did quite well, sir. All right, I'm I'm embarrassed though. The Flying Dutchman, and I don't know why I thought Paul Weiner was there, but that's embarrassing. Well, all right, so uh, so I'm gonna you gave me you gave me five nicknames. I'm gonna return the favor here. I've got a whole bunch of '80s through 2000 uh, players loaded onto my wheel of names, and I'm gonna go ahead and spin this and. Here's that wonderful sound effect. Big money. Uh, this guy has got two nicknames. I'll give them both to you. All right. And uh, let's see if you can come up with it. One is Booger, which is great. And the other is the Canadian Clubber. I remember the Booger. I'm trying to remember. Um, oh, man. We, because we talked about the name Booger. Oh, wait, no. I remember. because Yeah, Larry Walker. There you go. Yes, it came Never. to me. Of the Hall of Fame, Larry Walker. That's right. I knew we were talking about him at some point. <laughs> I was like, please get this one. We've just talked about <laughs> All right. Yep. There you go. Booger, the Canadian clever. All right. Very <laughs> nice. One for one. We'll give the wheel another spin. I can see here uh, one of your options is the Frying Dutchman. Should it come up? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That one I know. All right. This is going to be an, an easy one. Uh, he's got two nicknames. I'm going to give you one of them. If you have a hard time, then I'll give you the other one, which okay. you'll get easily. Uh, one of his nicknames was Pulled Muscle Face. <laughs> <laughs> I am at a complete loss. Sir. Very close to penitentiary face. but uh, So Pulled Muscle Face, I have not heard that one either. His more common nickname is Straw. How about Daryl Strawberry? There you go. Very nice. Two for two. Wow. Give the wheel another spin here. Pulled muscle face. <laughs> pulled one. muscle face. I have never met anybody named pulled muscle face. Nor have I. All right. This one should be relatively easy. The freak. Oh, oh yeah. I know. I remember uh, Tim Lincecum. There you go. Because he had that weird. It just looked weird. Motion. Think, yeah. yeah. Had the long hair, but it was, it was the, uh, the, delivery and the way he contorted his body, which ultimately yeah. broke down relatively quickly. But right. But, one, was it two Cy Youngs? Yeah, I think so. He, he was sure good when he was good. Yeah. University of Washington graduate. Yep. That's right. All right. You're three for three so far. Very nice. All right. Give the wheel another spin here. And your next one. Oh, this is going to be an easy one. Rock. Oh, Tim Raines. There you go. That was an easy rock yeah. was right in between two, uh, two good ones. <laughs> you got, you got the very easy one. All right. So that's four for four. So you're looking for a perfect round here. Final spin of the wheel of names. Oh, all right. Petey. Petey. Um, I'm going to guess it's someone named Pete. Pete O'Brien. <laughs> No, so Petey is the uh, nickname for Dustin Pedroia. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Pedroia. Yeah, yeah Petey. I, he might uh, might actually have to retire finally, sounds like. But. Oh, yeah, that's too bad. All right, so you equaled my score there, four for five. Okay, hey. Your miss was a lot more acceptable than mine. <laughs> well, I didn't, I, I'm just glad I didn't make a complete fool, just a slight fool of myself. So oh, that's so cool. Then, all right, so there you go. Uh, there's our, our quiz for the day. I think we did pretty good. Yeah, not bad. I mean, we'll I can, it. I think it was tolerable. All right. So, uh, that'll wrap up the main segment of the show. Let's now head into the final segment. Uh, one of our most popular segments we have always called it. And so we will continue to call it wax packs heroes. All right, so uh, we are continuing. All right, this is the third week in a row with 89 tops, but we've gotten some good cards with our 89 tops. If this is your first time, if it's your 
20th time. We're just going to review the rules so everybody knows what's going on. We open up wax packs of baseball cards from the 80s and 90s. We are scoring them based on the value from a 1992 Beckett's baseball card weekly. That way, all well, most of these cards have some value. Uh, to add a little uh, spice to the game, if they are sporting a mustache, as a lot of these players were at that point, you get an extra cent. If they are Hall of Famers, you get an extra five cents. If they are wearing real stirrups and we can see it, you get an extra cent. And if they're wearing those infamous two-in-ones, you get a minus one cent for that because that's Deservedly just not cool. so. Yes, absolutely. Just not cool. So the last couple of weeks, we have uh, done something a little bit different. Instead of wax packs, we've been opening cello packs because I got a whole bunch of those. And I got to say, these are good because i know nobody's opened them and switched out all the good cards that's right added bonus so we are going to open i've got two uh 289 tops uh you know they come in the cello pack has three packs in them so i've got two of them here separated i'm going to tell you that um one of my least favorite announcers is uh one of them and the other one is a uh well-known yankee and oakland athletic so I've got those in uh, separate hands. I'm going to let you choose either the left or the right hand. I, I think I think you should have the athletics. So I'll take the other one. Okay. Your least favorite announcer. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you also the option of going first or last. Um, you know what? First worked for me last week. I'll go first. All right. So let's take a look at the scoreboard. With your win last week, you creeped within one. I have 11 wins. 10 and we have uh, tied four times so uh, i will tell you this the uh, the card that you have chosen one of my least favorite uh players turned announcers is rex hudler <laughs> okay I kind of an all-around player he was a super utility guy yes yeah, he was. and a super uh homery announcer just to, and, and I think the reason why is when I used to have to listen to him sometimes, because until not too recently ago, not every o, not every A's game was on TV, so I'd have to watch away broadcasts. Rex Hudler, uh, super utility guy, played kind of everywhere. Uh, I'm guessing his card is not worth anything, and it is not. He is not wearing a mustache, and I can't see if he's sporting. Uh, stirrups or not he is with the expos uh, in this card so that's a, a bonus but not worth anything next we got a pitcher for the texas rangers jeff russell oh wow uh, i haven't thought about that guy in a long time i don't think i've thought about him until we pulled his card a couple of weeks ago jeff but russell. yeah i believe he he was a pretty good uh you know he had a pretty good fastball yeah i remember him being not a bad pitcher he did lead the league in losses in 1984 with 18 for the Cincinnati Reds. Wow, 18's a lot. That, that is that is quite a bit. Uh, the card is not worth anything, but he is sporting a mustache and he is sporting two pairs. Well, I guess one pair of real strips. Sweet. So that's two cents for you. Infamous manager card. Manager of, okay, this is an 89 set. Can you tell me who the manager of the Minnesota Twins was at that point? Tom Kelly. There you go. Yeah. Not worth anything. Not yeah. uh, not wearing a mustache and can't see his stirrups. First baseman for the Cincinnati Reds, Nick Asaski. I remember Nick Asaski. Kind of a slugger. I, I, what happened to that guy? I don't know. I remember, yeah, he's got pretty good power numbers. I remember him at first base, absolutely. I, I think he was the first baseman when Paul O'Neill was the right fielder. Right. Was was he the guy that got vertigo? Oh, I think you're right. I think you are absolutely spot on on that. That absolutely makes sense. Yeah, it, because he was solid. And, and, I mean, all of a sudden he just, he was dizzy and, and pretty soon he couldn't even play anymore. His vertigo was so bad. Yep, I no, you're correct. I'm not going to look it up, but yeah, I know yeah. you're correct there. Uh, his card is not worth anything. Clean shaven. He is wearing stirrups, though. Now, Nick Asaski, I don't think he had a nickname. If he does, I didn't know about it, but he should be the assassin. Yeah, the, the assassin, Asaski. Yeah. I like it. I like that. Let's run that up the flagpole and see if anybody buys. Next, we've got Oakland Athletics killer, Dennis Eckersley killer in the World Series. 
at this point, still with the Los Angeles Dodgers. In fact, this would have been the card for the next season after he walked off Dennis Eckersley in uh, Dodger Stadium in the 88 World Series, Kirk Gibson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Kirk Gibson, this card, wow, is not worth anything at this point. Uh, He does have a mustache, as always, and he is wearing real stirrups, so it is worth two cents. Now, uh, Kirk Gibson is one of those guys that when you hear his voice, it does not match what you think it's going to sound like. (laughs) I I am 100% with you there. I know he does color. At least he, the last couple of years, he was doing some color commentary for the Tigers on TV, and I could not. I had to mute it or go. I turned the radio feed on or something. I just his voice grates on me. But <laughs> okay. he is a. I, I would never tell him that to his face because he's one tough sob. He is a tough dude. I see him. Uh, usually, he comes through with the uh, broadcast crew, and he he just looks like a tough dude. In, yeah, you know, gritty. You got another manager card. Lucky you. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> this one uh, will we'll give you the same question. Who do you think was managing the Montreal Expos in 1989? Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, you got me on that one. Um, I'm going to give you a clue. All right. Beady, beady buck. That was my my Buck Rogers. Uh, I forget what Buck Rogers' um, little robot sidekick was but bob rogers whose nickname Uh, was buck was i do not recall the manager bob rogers well but do you remember buck rogers because that's that was his that's what everybody knew him as well i i i know buck rogers uh the sci-fi show yeah well that was manager was called buck rogers yes i remember now all right so this is a good this guy was really good for the san francisco giants Uh, he's had a lot of problems off the field since then made one of the most famous barehanded catches in the outfield of uh, I think it was was it three rivers I believe it was or was it riverfront one of those cookie cutter Astra it was either the the pirates or the or the reds uh, turf out there but at this point he is listed as a third baseman and is definitely playing the hot corner in this picture Kevin Mitchell Kevin Mitchell who misplays a fly ball into the uh, highlight reels because he sticks his throwing hand out and catches it. Yep. <laughs> people, th- it's so funny. It's uh, people. Oh, what a great catch! It's like you know he misplayed that, right? <laughs> he just stuck his <laughs> hand out. <laughs> uh, still makes highlights today, though. But he is uh, he is sporting stirrups. He has a mustache, and the card is worth five cents. So that's Ooh. a uh, seven cent card for you. Brings you up to twelve cents. Now, what did he and Will Clark, they were called, weren't they called the San Francisco Sock Exchange? Yes. Yep, I think I remember that. I think so. Pitcher for the Seattle Mariners, Scott Bankhead. Yeah, I remember Scott Bankhead very well. Kind of, uh, looking at his numbers here, he's pretty much the epitome of an average major league pitcher. Yeah, that's, you know, if you wanted to to uh, look for an average major league pitcher. He's a, he is definitely a good contender for it. <laughs> uh, so his card is obviously not worth anything, but he is uh, sporting a mustache and wearing those stirrups. So like I said, if this is your first time, this is exactly what happens. Every one of these guys has these bushy mustaches. It was a great decade. And we're not going to stop. We're, we're, we're literally not going to stop because we've got another Mariner pitcher with a bushy mustache and wearing real stirrups and looking at his numbers is pretty much the epitome of an average major league pitcher jerry reed jerry reed yep i boy that was a daunting bullpen i i don't remember jerry i remember jody reed who Mm -hmm. uh, also had a bushy mustache for the uh for the padres and the red sox i do not remember jerry reed yeah i don't know if he was around very long uh, for the Mariners, but I do remember him. Wow, we get we seem to get this guy every every other week. At this point, he was uh, with the Cincinnati Reds, John Franco. Oh, John Franco, lefty closer. Yep one of the one of the few. He yeah. is uh, not. Does, you know, I know with the Mets, he always had a big bushy mustache. Does he not did. have one here. He's a clean shaven baby face at this point. Uh, but he is wearing real stirrups. The card is not worth anything, so that is one cent for you. Hmm. You are right now staying at 17 cents. 
Oh boy. This was one of my friends back in high school that didn't know a lot about baseball, but this was his favorite player. I don't know why, but I liked him because my friend at that point did outfielder for the Philadelphia Phillies went on to be a coach for the Phillies for quite a long time. Milt Thompson. Yes. Milt. I remember Milt Thompson. He, he had uh he was a pretty good player. He was a he he I would say he was above average, but yeah. nothing special. But he had staying power. He was around for quite a while. Yeah, he yeah. was uh, uh, left-handed hitting outfielder. Yep. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Bats left, throws right. So he's the opposite of Ricky Henderson. Yep. Exact opposite. <laughs> Uh, but boy, he, this is a great looking card. Yeah. This is the Phillies with their powder blues with the, you know, that purple, not purple, but whatever that color is, it's the P, you know, yeah. with the little swirl with the ball in the middle it has a great looking uniform and a good card. Uh, no mustache, but he is wearing stirrups. So you get one cent for that. This guy was, uh, making the rounds on Twitter this, uh, this week, a lot of, I realize that you and I remember all these things because we're old men, but a lot of guys never, a lot of baseball fans might not have seen things like this. At this point, he was on the Milwaukee Brewers, Glenn Braggs. Yeah, now, Glenn Braggs. Glenn Braggs, uh, referencing uh, early, one of the first seasons of Friends. Uh, I'm, I'm staring at his jersey here, and I think I can see his abs through his jersey. The dude was just ripped. <laughs> He was just, uh, I mean, he is huge in this picture, but I remember it was in the World Series in 1990. It was a game in Oakland. So it was either game one or two because there, no, there was no game five, six, or seven. And he was with the Reds, and he broke the bat over his back on a follow-through, swinging and <laughs> missing a pitch. Nice. Snapped across his back. And it was aluminum. <laughs> I would hate to see what he could do with a ball with an aluminum bag. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, that's not worth anything, though. I can't see his stirrups, and he is clean shaven. Here's a good name. This guy caught for a lot of teams. I know he caught for the A's for a while, and then he was a coach. Jamie Quirk. Jamie Min at Quirk. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Jamie Quirk, was, uh, he was around for a long time. Kansas City, mostly. Yeah, he's with Kansas City here. Card's not worth anything. Uh, I can't see his stirrups because he's got his catching gear on and he is clean shaven. But Dang men it, at Quirk, I'm going to have to put that on the list. I don't think that's on my nickname list. <laughs> now, this is uh, not good for you. <laughs> this is similar to what happened a couple of weeks ago when we opened the same pack. Your next card is Rex Hudler. <laughs> and your last card is Jeff Russell. So <laughs> said, really? Again? Yeah. So we know you don't get any points for the Rex Hudler card. Uh, I know you get two points for the Jeff Russell card because he's got that mustache and the same stirrups because it is the same card. There you go. Okay. Well, so I'll that two. two that two cents brings your total up to twenty cents. Which twenty cents? Not bad. That would definitely have definitely beat me last week. It's a, it's borderline score. So it can a, win, it can lose. It's an average score. Your <laughs> your your war is zero. That's right. right. All right. So we'll open up mine. Uh, I said uh, athletic Yankee on the uh, on the top card because I can see through the cello pack. It is Claudel Washington. Oh, Claudel. So Claudel came up with the A's. He also played later later in his career with the A's. He came up in '74. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I didn't realize he came up that early but uh claudel washington this card is not worth anything but he is wearing uh real strips and he's got a mustache that's two cents next i believe this was a utility guy for the minnesota twins randy bush randy bird in the hand bush i <laughs> uh, can't see his stirrups and he is clean shaven oh boy this one has a little bit of sentimental value for me this guy, who I can't believe he's still playing in 1989, he's still on the team uh, that I am remembering. The very first baseball card I ever had my hands on, and I found it on the ground. He, it was at that point, it was in 1982 Don Russ, and he was with the San Francisco Giants. Here he is still with the San Francisco Giants, although he 
played for many other teams. Uh, Mr. Joel Youngblood. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I... <laughs> I re- Maybe it's because it was the first baseball card I ever had my hands on. I remember Joel Youngblood very vividly, and here he is. Uh, zero value to this card, but just interesting. Yeah, it's come full circle. It really has. All, <laughs> all the way to when I found that card on the ground to playing wax packs. Today. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so this next we've got a pitcher. Uh, he is a lefty. He was a rookie in 1986 with the Chicago Cubs and only recently retired, <laughs> Mr. Jamie Moyer. <laughs> Jamie Moyer. Oh, man, he was fun to watch. Yeah, so this he's very tall and skinny looking in this picture. Um, this card is not worth anything. He does not have a mustache. I am having a real hard time. I want to say these are two and ones, which is weird because they're, you know, his pants go halfway down his calf. So usually you don't wear two and ones if you're going to pull your pants up that high. Right. But they're just they're perfectly straight. You can't see any arch and they're long. So I am going to give myself a minus one on that. Okay. Jamie, Appreciate your uh, honesty and integrity. That's disappointing, Mr. Moyer. Okay, now here is a name I have literally not thought of in, what is this, 1989, so uh, probably 30 years, Jim Traber. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Uh, Orioles, right? Absolutely, you're right. Uh, Baltimore Orioles outfielder, first baseman. Yeah, I remember him just not well. Yeah, I mean, I remember the name. I don't really remember about him. Looks like he had some pop in the major leagues. He was a big guy. But uh, never really, well, actually, he's only six foot. He looks pretty big in this picture, but uh, card's not worth anything, but he is wearing stirrups and has a mustache, so that'll give hey. me two points. There you go, Jim. Here's another name that I haven't thought about for a good long time, Bryn Smith. And I only remember it because his name's Bryn. Yeah, I remember uh, he's an expo. Absolutely, yep. And he looked, he looked like your dad, you know? If your dad is a large ginger man, <laughs> not ginger man, but ginger space man. See, I recall him with short hair and like a short beard. And, well, he always uh, had a beard. Yeah, he always yeah. has a beard. Um, but yeah, so Bryn Smith, that card is shockingly enough, uh, not worth anything, but he is wearing real stirrups and he's got that beard. So that counts as a mustache as well. So that's two points. That brings me up to five total. The Candyman at this point with the San Francisco Giants. Candy Maldonado. Oh, yes. Or as my friend Chris says, Candy Maldonado. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to each their own. That card is not worth anything. No stirrups, no no mustache. He did deliver, apparently, a pinch hit Grand Slam in September of 1987. So congratulations, Candy Maldonado. Here's a good utility guy for the Boston Red Sox, Marty Barrett. Uh, you know this nickname? Marty Barrett had a nickname. I don't. Marty Grin and Barrett. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. Well, that card is not worth anything. Can't see a stirrups, no mustache. Boy, is I'm... Red, Sox, Red Sox player in that one? Yes. I am, I'm really not doing well here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are some interesting names you're pulling, man. Well, here is definitely a name. I'm curious to know if this will have any value, maybe sense, but lefty for the California Angels, Chuck Finley. Ah, uh, yes. Chuck Finley, 250 innings every year. Very nice. Well, this card is worth... Uh, what or is 200 it? or so. This card is worth two cents. And he is wearing real stirrups, so that is a three-cent card for me. So I was, I was hoping to make up a little bit more ground than that. <laughs> just, just, looking at, uh, just looking at his stats, uh, Chuck Finley had exactly 200 career wins. Not bad. Uh, how, out of the number of starting pitchers in Major League history, I am betting the percent that had at least 200 wins is, well, I know it's in single digits. Definitely. So, yeah. Not bad. This guy, I do not remember. At this point, he was with the Philadelphia Phillies. Chris James. Outfielder. 
Yeah, I have no clue. I am not familiar with Mr. James. That leads me to believe his card is not worth anything. It is not. Uh, he does have a mustache. I can't see if he's wearing stirrups. He's got, just like Milt Thompson, that great Phillies powder blue. Oh, yeah. But that did give me one cent to bring me up to nine cents. Next second baseman for the Seattle Mariners in 1989. Uh, had Harold Reynolds left yet? There you go. Harold Reynolds. <laughs> oh, yeah. Was a football wide receiver and DB in high school. That makes sense. He was quick. So there you go. Uh, I see here on the card, 1987, stolen bases 60. It's in italics, meaning that he led the league that year. Nice. Snapping Ricky's streak but only because Ricky was injured and that's right. provoking the phone call to Harold Reynolds after the that's season. Right. <laughs> that's a great story. I love that story. So this card is not worth anything, but he does have a mustache in this picture. So I am now up to 10 cents. I've got three cards left and I'm only half your score. So not feeling good. You've, you've hit, you've hit late inning grand slams before though, my friend. I, I have, but I'm not feeling good. Uh, my, Next card is the aforementioned old penitentiary face, Jeffrey Leonard, at this point with the Brewers. No, Jeffrey, don't call me Jeff Leonard. One flap down, Jeffrey yep. Leonard. Yep. A good card, though. This is when the Brewers, first of all, a pullover uniform, which I love those. And he's got the, uh, the Brewers hat with the, the old M&B on it, which is just classic. The, the cool baseball mitt M&B? Yep. So yeah. that is uh, worth one cent. So that brings me up to 11 cents. My second to last card is Craig Death Lefferts. Nice. Craig Lefferts. Oh, boy. What a great nickname. And he's a lefty, too. That's yep. a good good for that. Uh, Craig Death Lefferts, though his card is not worth anything. He is wearing real stirrups, and he does have a mustache. So that brings me to 13 cents. Going into my final card. <laughs> now, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be very interesting. Because my final card is one, uh, the Iron Man himself, one Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Ooh. So nice. we know that this card is worth five cents right off the bat because he's That's a right. Hall of Famer. I cannot see his stirrups. I would be willing to bet he was wearing real stirrups, but no way to prove it. Obviously doesn't have a mustache. Let's see no, ever what, this, what this value on this card is. Oh, my. <laughs> you were talking about late inning grands. Oh, man. This card alone, according to Beckett's, is worth 20 cents, <laughs> which is your total, plus the five cents. The Hall of Fame, and that puts that card alone at twenty-five cents. Oh man! See, see, late inning heroics. Late inning heroics by Cal Ripken Jr. gives me a total of thirty-eight cents. <laughs> oh man! And gives me the win, bringing my total up to twelve. Wow, that <laughs> that's as exciting as wax wax. Can get. Uh, unbelievable comeback two outs in the ninth oh man you ask how exciting can a segment on a podcast where two guys open up baseball cards from the right. uh, from the 80s be well there you have your answer right there that right. was as exciting as it could ever be there it is that is maybe we should Beautiful. retire the segment after that one <laughs> the only way it would have been better is if it had been a ricky henderson card that's that's literally yeah. the only way that could have been yeah better. yeah definitely all right, so there you have it. There's another edition of Wax Packs Heroes. As we do when we close the show, I'd like to just take a second to thank everybody for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you want to rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, that would be appreciated. We certainly love it. I'd like to remind you also that you can follow us on social media. You can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at Two Strike Noise. That is at T W O Strike Noise. It's been a very busy week on, on uh, social media for us. Uh, one thing I did learn is that somehow, apparently, people are still very confused about the infield fly rule, which is really not that complicated to no. understand. Okay. But uh, apparently, uh, one of <laughs> one of our posts sparked quite, quite, a, quite a debate online. 
even though it was black and white as to it's funny in field fly rule it's they're not much to understand but uh please follow us interact with us there um it's a lot of fun and we're definitely on there all week uh, mark this has been a great show i think we've got something special lined up for next week um you want to come back and do that yeah i'm pretty excited about next week's show all right good well i am too um we hope you'll join us uh we do appreciate you as always joining us for this episode and we will see you again on another episode of two strike noise thank you god bless you have a great day 